Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Ronnie Flores here with my co-host, Chelsea Hopkins and Ani Amana. How are you guys doing? What's going on, you guys? I know we have a lot of talk about today, so we're going to try to stay on task and hit some hard-hitting points. We've been kind of going kind of soft. I don't know about calling it In the Paint no more. We might have to call it On the Perimeter because we're just kind of like shooting three and hanging out. Like, we really got to go in the paint today, so... We'll have a good time, and we're going to, like I said, we're going to hit a lot of topics, some serious and some not so serious. So how's everything going, guys? Pretty good. Good morning. Happy Monday. Happy to be here. Yes, we have lots to talk about. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's let's talk about, I guess we'll we'll start. Let's talk about some other things that, you know, with Ball is Life going on. We, you know, we had another street ball game uh, this past week, so that was good. We also have a clearance sale going on at shop.ballslife.com. I know we do this toward the end of the show. I just want to get it out of the way for the people that listen at the beginning. We have a clearance sale going on, and we're making uh, some room for the new lines dropping at the end of the month. 33% off some items, some backpacks, triangle socks that are popular. So free shipping on all the U.S. orders at shop.ballslife.com. If you're listening to the podcast, let me slow down. It's paint one five. It's a one-time discount code. Again, that's P-A-I-N-T-1-5. Uh, free shipping in the U.S. Like I said, we have a lot of great items, so check that out. also wanted to give a shout-out to the other podcasts, you know, uh, Noble and Rouge, Unapologetic, The Retro Room, It's in the Game, Buckets and Breakdowns. Those guys do a great job, so shout-out to those guys. But let, let's get to our topics. Obviously, there were supposed to be two great Game 7s. Everybody loves Game 7, and then... Uh, Ani, you know, it just it was kind of a dud. <laughs> oh, no, it was fantastic. The best player in the NBA just showed himself. Who's you the know, best player? Luka Doncic. Oh, my God. <laughs> the incredible. best player in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Ani, we just said last episode that Giannis, or even two episodes that Giannis yeah. was it. But I have a Luka, short time. Now it's yeah, Luka is incredible. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so you're in Texas, so you're on the like the Texas gravy train with with oh. Dallas Mavericks. Super biased, of course. Yeah. <laughs> biased, very. Uh, but you know, like we said, you know, Giannis is it's that series. It's I'm just like, let's get rid of this replay. If everything's just gonna be a bang bang charge block, that's what that series came down to. Yeah. I felt like I was like, if Giannis has early fouls, if Giannis has early fouls, the Celtics are not even gonna play D. They're just gonna flop. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what like he didn't, and they didn't shoot well. Obviously, the difference was the shooting. I mean, right. you know, when they they hit that many three pointers, it was they were twenty two of fifty five. Any team yeah. that shoots twenty two of fifty five, and the other team shoots four of thirty three, like, to beat. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to beat if you don't hit some shots. And then, what, you know, Kirby, what did you think about Arnano? You could jump into them going big. They kind of use Bobby Portis and Lopez a lot at the same time, and then they can't cover. They can't cover the three. Yeah, they they couldn't get out, you know, on yeah. the perimeter. It was it was they were big, but they were slow. Like it just yeah. the game was just going way too fast. Like it yeah. definitely went in the Celtics' favor, and obviously it was close in the first half. But then in the third quarter, the Celtics just blew the game wide open, and it was kind of over from there. Um, I didn't really like the adjustments on Milwaukee's part. Um, you know, when shots aren't falling, I, I'm, I'm not saying don't shoot. Obviously, you got to shoot or open shots, but like you guys just kept shooting and nobody's making anything. So it's like, at what point are we going to do something else? And and I do agree that the flopping uh, on both sides was just yeah. too much. Like I, I love my, Marcus Smart to death, but my goodness, 
Like, you know, every for every good stop he makes, he has a, a flop or something. <laughs> so it you can't talk too bad about Marcus Smart. Ani's gonna go crazy. There's another Texas guy. <laughs> Fly around Texas. Ani, what do you think? Tell me what you think. Oh, no, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, this, uh, Marcus Smart flops. Okay, like, a, a, a lot. Thank and you. just unnecessarily. Like, yes. you know. And it's a dramatic um, flop, but uh, like you know, like it's just dramatic. Like yeah, on. like he he got he went from the, to the school like Chris Paul, but like even did more than Chris Paul be doing. Like you know, he just be flopping. Like it's hard. Like it's a hard flop. Like uh, I I don't know. I think like you said, Chelsea, like Milwaukee going big offensively. I can I kind of get it, you know, because Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez can extend out and shoot threes but when they're not making shots and they're not really giving you anything in the paint either then when you go to the other end i mean you're screwed because they're just going to put you on ball screens and then they're just you know they're just going to really attack you i mean grant Williams was really shooting the ball uh last game but you know he's a mismatch problem jason tatum jalen brown i mean marcus smart al horford really came on this you know just celtics is so hard to stop you know, and then and obviously they're really hard to score on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think going big is the answer unless your bigs are really just killing theirs. But that's hard. And then Robert Williams just came back for game seven. So, I mean, right. you had another piece to there. Uh, Chris Middleton not being there hurts. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, the argument could be said if he was there, does does uh, Milwaukee win? Maybe. I, I don't know. I thought yeah. some of Milwaukee. I thought some of Milwaukee's struggles go beyond if Chris Middleton was there or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think Boston just really outplayed, outplayed Milwaukee. I thought Milwaukee's best chance was to win in game six when they didn't win game six. It was a wrap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I give them a lot of credit. Chelsea nailed it a couple of weeks ago. You thought Boston was just a better team. You're like, they're, they're more talented. Maybe they won't win because Giannis is just going to go nuts, and he still went nuts. Right. And and you kind of mentioned that, so kudos to you on that. Uh, yeah, I just thought – when Marcus Smart had a series of mishaps and, and Holiday came up with that block shot in game five, I was like, they're not going to be able to recover from that mentally. Like, But they did. They did a good job. And then yeah. Faden had the big game, obviously, in game six that kind of. Yeah, they, they were just more complete as a team, you know, and sometimes right. you, you can be a more complete team and lose a game. But like I told you, if Giannis has to get 44 every single night and you never know if somebody's going to do like, it's just not sustainable. And, and I don't think it's sustainable, like, just period. Okay, they would have got out of this series. Then, okay, you meet, you know, you're going to eventually, yeah, Miami, then you're going to meet the Warriors or who, you know, like, it's just like, no, it's not sustainable. Gotcha. Yeah, because we're talking about how he played in Ani. I mean, dude, 25 points. He still had 25 points, 20 rebounds, nine assists, and Ani's like, Luca, 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 like. Let's play in the league. Dude, he, he had what? 50 assists, 100 rebounds, and 200 points. Yeah. Like, yeah. This, what else can that guy do? I mean, like, you know, he, had his, he didn't shoot very well, but he still made a huge impact. And when we talk about impact, let's let's jump over to the other series that went game seven. There was really no impact from Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Um, no impact at all. And I talked to Chelsea about that last week. I was kind of mentioning, I was kind of giving the PG-13 version, you know, like, and, and I'll just give the more rated R version. It's like, when you see a player like, when you have a player like Paul and he's, aging you know i don't know if you guys saw what pat beverly said today now i think pat beverly's going on air and just having some some grudges but like what he's saying is like it's true no, there's like, truth to stuff that he said right. there's, there's truth, like when i saw um 
when I saw Brunson and Paul was on him, his eyes lighted up like, oh, I'm going to take dude. Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to. Now, he didn't get a foul on a couple. Like, there was one bad play where Chris Paul kind of raked him and hit him in the face. And like, Oh, yeah. Paul, it's like a, but that's because dudes know they can attack him. Yeah. And then on the other end, he's not that dominant. Like, meaning you're like, oh, damn. Like, we talked about Giannis or even Luca to that extent. There's nothing you could do when they're on. You have certain matchup problems that are going to be bad. They're going to exploit it. Like, I can find a dude who can guard Chris Paul. It's the bottom line. I can find a dude who can stay in front of him a bit. Just enough to slow him down and make him right. miss a shot. Or, and then don't get caught up in the tripping and the holding and the yeah. you know, you know, just straight-up basketball. And it's true. I mean, what Pat Beverly, I think, is saying is true, even though I wouldn't necessarily want Aaron necessarily to say it all like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so what do you guys think about that? I mean, you got to show up. That's what I'm saying. If you're small, you – you have to be dominant in something, whether it's shooting, uh, I, you know, something that has to be the dominant trait, and and they just didn't do it. They just fell apart. Yeah, um, I agree with your. You know, you can find someone to guard Chris Paul. Dallas found three: Frank Nitakina, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Reggie Bullock. Uh, just a real shell of himself. It was weird. Like, I mean, I'm a huge Mavs fan, but like, it got to 40 points, and I'm cheering on the Suns. You know, I'm like, oh, come on, shoot it. Y'all make a three, please. Yeah. <laughs> like, somebody score. For the beat, though, but I don't want y'all to lose by 50, you know, like this. But uh, Paul's just not himself. I mean, that was the first time I've ever seen a series where people really went to attack Chris Paul, especially sure. in the post and stuff like that. You had Luca that was fishing for that, uh, Jalen Brunson, uh, Spencer yeah. Dinwiddie, too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I mean, you have multiple guys that are really just trying to attack Chris Paul. And I don't think we've ever seen that. And that that wore him out. Uh, after the game six, uh, he made a comment said, Man, I'm just happy, you know, we have an extra day off. You know, that that tells you where he was at. Like, he That's was, not a good thing. <laughs> no, yeah. and Devin Book, I mean, isn't it crazy because he was. Fourth in MVP voting uh, ahead of Luca, and uh -oh. yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean that 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 just nuts. Devin Booker was a no throw. Yeah. So what's his problem, uh, Chelsea? What's Devin Booker's problem? A little too one dimensional. Doesn't move without the ball. Doesn't go off the dribble. What? Something there is not. You know, to be one of the best players in the league, you gotta be complete. So what's his? Problem? I think. I think you know. Obviously, he needed Chris Paul for you know the Suns to have the success that they've had. But I just haven't really seen him take the leap and, and i'm gonna give you a comparison i look at jason tatum and yeah. i'm like this man has improved as a playmaker as a passer he's making the right reads like devin booker and jason tatum were very similar in the fact that they were just prolific elite scorers you know coming into the league but in order to be great you have to make that next jump and and i just haven't really seen that from devin booker and i think Chris Paul obviously made his life a lot easier. We've saw him have, sure. you know, some flashes and some great games, but I think that's the next step for him. And I don't see Chris Paul, you know, being able to play much longer. I think I hit the nail on the head um, just with him just kind of being a shell of himself. And, and I think that goes back to what we talked about with Giannis. Like Chris Paul, it, it's sustainability. Chris Paul gave us a good game and then he had three bad, three bad ones. He just, he couldn't get up. Like, like he would have, you know, been able to if he was younger. And unfortunately, sure. father time is undefeated. And, you know, we see people that are able to do incredible things at certain ages and stuff like that. But the reality is, like, the league is young. You know, the players are more athletic. Like, being old, you can be as smart and calculated as you want to be. And, and Chris Paul is, you know, 
at the top of the top when it comes to, 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 to knowing the game and basketball IQ. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to move those feet. And when people know you're a liability, you know, their eyes light up too. And, and that's what we saw with Chris Paul. I just saw him fatigued mentally, physically, and he just didn't have any more to give. And, and I think that, you know, the writing on the wall for him is, you know, coming pretty soon. Yeah. Um, I don't really know how many more seasons he'll be able to get. It definitely not at the money that he makes. And and for Devin Booker, it's just you, you got to make that next leap. And and to be more complete, you know, I, I need to see him improve his playmaking ability, his yeah. passing ability, you know, his ability to get other people involved. And that's why I have Luca above Devin Booker. Because Luca, <laughs> who I know he's not number one. <laughs> But Luca has, even though we can see Luca be selfish at times, because there are times where I'm like, okay, Luca, come off the ball. You are dribbling yeah. the air out of the ball. But he has the ability to make people better, to to make those plays that you know can ultimately translate into winning. And and they just jumped on the Suns. It was crazy. Like I I cannot believe what happened. Like and Chris Paul didn't even score till they were like down like 35. Yeah. Right. It was, yeah. No. It was it was bad. The Mavs deserve it. Uh, I give Luca the nod over Devin Booker as of today. I think I think Devin Booker's problem. Is, I don't think he's tough enough to really lead. Um, you know, there there's a point in that game where you see the greats. Like you've seen Tatum even in that Milwaukee series. Like when they need a bucket, he went and got a bucket. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at those next tier of superstars, even Luca, as young as he is, like he knows when he needs to score. Like mm-hmm. and he's going to score. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not comparing Devin Booker to these guys, but you look at the Kobe's, you look at Kawhi, you look at KD and the like Steph, like those guys just, you know, they're not going to lose by 33 in game seven. Yeah. You know, especially if yeah. you're talking, if you're talking about they're that tier of a player. Obviously, KD got swept, um, but, you know, there were, you know, they were in it. Um, and I felt like when KD needed a bucket, he went and got one. I thought Devin Booker these past couple games just couldn't do it. I think when it when it when everything's going good, Devin Booker's good. But when there's some adversity hitting, I don't think Devin Booker he's he's not he's not the guy you go to. All right, I need a bucket. Um, that's the uh, you're right about the playmaking part. But I just think like as a superstar, like your team's getting their ass busted. Like I mean, yeah. I mean at home, and you're old. You don't make a field goal till the third quarter. Yeah, and and then you know, to me, it's like I don't think Devin Booker, he doesn't have, I don't want to say the balls, but just he just it's not tough enough. I don't think he he's a he's not the superstar that hey, look, you know, just get on my back. We're gonna I'm gonna lead I'm gonna lead us. He's he's not that guy. Like yeah, he's he's a good secondary piece. Now he can become that guy. I mean, he needs some time. But I thought I saw Tatum in a lot of times in the Milwaukee series mm-hmm. where Milwaukee you thought were just going to run away with it or come back. Oh, you know, and then Tatum just comes in and makes a three. You know, hits a pull of midi. You know, he just there's there's the to me there's the big difference. Devin Booker's not doing that, um, and that's what Chris Paul's advantage was. That's why Chris Paul came in the fourth quarter and get twenty points in the fourth quarter. Because Devin Booker is just right now is not built to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you guys there. I thought the besides the flopping and the going to the scores table to check the replays, which I think just get rid of them if they're not for the to check on the lines or to check if that's a two or three. Just get rid of it because it's still a it's still a judgment call. They yeah. still got it wrong. Like okay, Chelsea mentioned that she thought it was a foul on the Marcus Smart play 
at the end of the game where Jalen Brown drove and kicked it to him and he didn't get the three-point shot and he got the ball out of bounds. That was a big moment. They could have won that game. And then in this game, Giannis loses the ball at half. <laughs> and Marcus Smart throws it up. And it's Marcus three throws. Just throws a dumb, you know, like, obviously it's the end of the quarter, so you just bleed. Oh, three shots. What I mean, get rid of that then if you guys can't call it straight. Like, that was just junk. That was a junk play. So Giannis loses the ball. You know, he puts his hand in there. I'm not even sure it was a foul. He just had his hand on top. No, it was a foul. Right. <laughs> it's like, it was. But it's, it's just the reviews are just excessive, and they take too long. Yes. Like, my goodness, you're reviewing yes. it for eight minutes. The court right. is over. Like, let's just play. It's too yeah. much. But then though, those three points were big because that gave Milwaukee the – It did. They were I down think, what, six five. points at half yeah. or something? That was the – like, the it was a one-possession game until that yeah. play, and then the third quarter mm-hmm. just blew the – door open on that so we're not gonna spend too much time on that we know what happened everybody watched it was a little little disappointing in terms of we thought it was gonna be two great games obviously in the other series the heat beat the sixers four to two warriors got by the grizz four to two um you know i guess the only question i have for you guys in those two series really is james Harden. where does he go from here is it is it revamp your body get right you know work hard in the off season or is he lost a step and now he's just gonna be back with the pack and he's not an elite player in the league uh let me you got this one on here yeah i'll take this one uh yeah he needs to get his body right um you know i think the rules changes you know where you know guys like dame lillard uh trey young got a little affected by it but james harden just where you know what they will deem a foul uh it's really messed up hard in this season uh his numbers were kind of down shooting numbers were down the amount of times he went to the free throw line was down um I think we're starting to see a little bit of James Harden declining some, but I also think he has not adapted to how the rules have changed where they're not going to give, they're not, he's not going to get to the foul line, foul line 20 times like he used to. They're not going to give him those, those type of things. And honestly, like, you know, he's a worker, you know, he, he got to the point, like, I think he's going to work at it and get better. But I don't think we're looking at. I mean, and B said it was a cold statement. We're not seeing James. We're not seeing Houston Rockets James Harden anymore. So what? What does that look like? Can he still be the second guy on the championship team? Maybe, <laughs> probably not. Probably needs to be your third guy. To be honest with you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think we're seeing a slow decline of him. I mean, he's still going to put up some good box score stats, but sure. I don't think he's a guy that. You know, MB was out and he looked so bad this series, <laughs> you know, and then he looked so bad, you know, <laughs> like, he, and then when he got back, you know, he had that 31 point game, which was solid, but I just think he's starting to decline. And I think he cannot adapt to, the, I think the rule change has affected him more than really anybody in the league. Wow. What do you, what do you think, Chelsea? Ani, I mean, you were a little nice. Let's just be honest. I James Harden is who he is. He's never got his body in shape. He's never been super, you know, I'm going to work hard and, you know, keep my body up to bar. I'm not saying he doesn't work on his game because obviously he's incredible. But, you know, James Harden, you know, takes a while to get in shape. He, he's going to go to the strip club. He's going to eat his chicken wings. He's going to hang out. He's going to do all the stuff that he does. And I just don't foresee that changing. Like, I just don't see it changing. I, I don't think that he's a guy anymore. I think that as you get older, it's even harder to get your body in shape. Like I experienced that as a professional. So if you weren't doing it when you were young and it was easy and you can go eat cinnamon rolls and then still wake up the next day and play a game, I don't see that you're going to be able to do it now as you just get older. So I think that 
the rule change has absolutely affected him. I also think that there's a little stigma because sometimes James Harden actually gets fouled and they just don't call it anymore because it's like, right. no, it's James and we're not. Because <laughs> yeah. I actually watch these in slow-mo and replay and I'm like, okay, like that was a foul, but they're like, no, it's James. We're not gonna, we're not calling those anymore. So one, yeah. he's a step slower. Two, he will not adapt to the rules because he doesn't really have the athleticism and the body to really do so. And three, he will get fouled, but we're not going to call it. And four, he's just, like you said, a third guy on a good team at best. I was extremely disappointed with his passiveness and his lack of aggression. Like, I didn't understand that. Like, you shot the ball two times, like, and I pay you $40 million or whatever I pay? Like, that, that's unacceptable. I'm not extending him a max contract no. ever again. So those days are done. And you have to put a lot of pieces around him. I think he still has ability as a playmaker. Like you said, Ani, he's going to have games where he's still able to get a triple-double. But it's not going to be a 40-point triple-double. It's going to be a 18, you know, 10, <laughs> 10, five turnovers, give him be the ball and have him bring it home for us kind of James. And that's just who he is. And Embiid was absolutely right. And I hope that, you know, Doc Rivers, they said that he's going to stay on as coach, that he can put some pieces, you know, together and, and, and hopefully give Embiid a chance. But Tyrese Maxey is the number two now. 100%. And um, that's just how it is. Yeah. Wow. That's a, you guys are going pretty much in on him. I mean, I, I've known James for a long time and his family. So, I mean, you hope he gets his, if he gets some physical, better physical shape, you hope that helps him rekill and get, uh, you know, some motivation. Obviously he can be, have a great season here and there, but you, like you said, he's not going to be at the MVP level. And again, getting those foul calls from behind where he's flopping and flailing, like those are like pretty much over. So we'll yeah, but I'm just saying, look, look at people that do take care of their bodies and how hard it is. Correct. Like, it's just hard. So I'm yeah. saying, like, I, I I know that James works on his game. You can't yeah. dispute oh, yeah. that. He's a yeah. he's an incredible talent. You know, the things that he used to do had him, you know, in the top five or the NBA for a long time with, you know, his the way that he had the ability to play. But I, I just don't see it. I don't see somebody becoming something that they've never been their entire NBA career. Yeah, that's a good point. I I think I think he's a he's a third option. I think he's a, he's a third option. And really, you're Philly. You probably want to find somebody like. And defensively, he's horrible too. Which that was to me, he's just not very good because of. I don't, he was never a good defender. Yeah, so his body, good. his body not being good doesn't even help help that either. And he's getting older. Yeah. If I'm yeah. Philly, I'm, you know. But what's even the third? Now, 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 my thing, my thing is. I don't think Philly can win a championship even like I don't think they can win a championship even if Ma Maxie's going to have to be a 25 point per game guy. Uh if Maxie's Philly has a really chance. Good, He's really good and he He's can really be. Good. And honestly, let's be truthful. Tobias Harris was the third. This this last series, Kings was he was terrible. He had one good game. He was not good at all. Like he really was like the fourth and ugh, Maybe even worse, the last game that they played. Like, he could have been the eighth man at that point. Like, he didn't even have to really be out there. Well, just running just, around and making the teams even. I just hope we're going to reach an era in the NBA where we get back to a little bit more. The team ball, the good team defense. It seems like we are with Boston, Milwaukee, where it's like teams Miami. try to win the championship with with the you – know, let's give the ball to James Harden and let him roll out with, with Houston. Uh, a few other teams did that with their max guy, and it didn't work. It's like yeah. it's not working. That that you know, iso ball, dribble it nine times and shoot it, and and then hope you get a foul. 
when you drive like i hope we get away from that seems like we are it's like yeah. the games are better the series are better in the playoffs and like just the whole ball is better so this and, i mean and ronnie sorry real quick but but just look at the teams that are left though teams yeah. that actually guard miami right. Yeah, with the exception of Mavs, which who can actually guard in spurts, though. They like I guard. don't think that, I think they're the worst defensive team of the teams that are left. Yeah. You know, yeah, Miami. I, I think I think they're third. They're third. Okay, <laughs> are are they better? Miami, Ani? No, Miami. Boston? Miami and Boston better. They're better. Warriors. They're better than Golden State. Warriors. <laughs> I think better. They're better. Than Ani, okay, Golden State. the Mavs are for sure last of all. No, 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 they're third. They're third. <laughs> okay, <all right>. whatever. <laughs> they're not in the top, Ronnie. That's my point. And we'll see Wednesday. We'll see this week. This week gonna be a big one. And week. I'm going to game one and two live. So Mavs and five. You guys, live reports of what's happening. <laughs> and yeah. the Golden State Warriors, if they can play defense and cut the turnovers, because my goodness, they're turning the ball yeah. over at the highest rate I think I've ever seen. Then they're gonna win the series on the in six games. Mavs in five. Okay. They can't. They have no one that can guard Luca. We match up well. That's with true. Them. That's true. That's we, very we, true. Yeah. So you know, speaking of that, let's let's talk about those series, and we'll we'll, we'll transition here. Want to let people know that on that Tuesdays when uh, the series starts for Miami Boston, uh, and then on Wednesday, uh, like you said, Chelsea uh, at Golden State. Dallas and I know you two will be watching those two series very closely. Let's talk about the NBA draft lottery that happens on Tuesday before Miami Boston. Uh, put you on the spot a little bit, Ani. Is 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 there a pure number one pick? You know, we're going to start talking about the draft as we transition to the off season, or does it have to see what the order is? You know, need and fit, or is like, is there a guy you're going to take no matter who gets the the um you know the wins this lottery upcoming and and gets the number one pick? I think Jabari Walker has like the lead on that. I don't know if it's as clear cut as like, you know, when you had a Zion Williamson um, or some of those guys uh, as, you know, in the, in the draft, but I think Jabari Walker is your number one, regardless of kind of what the order looks like. Obviously, like if you're not even, there's no really team. I mean, there's some teams that need some front court depth. Like maybe you go Chet Holmgren, but when you look at guys like Jabari, I mean, Jabari uh, Smith, like yeah. guys that – Smith, I said Walker on my bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jabari yeah. Smith, when uh, when you get guys like 6'10", yeah. can yeah. shoot it, uh, switchable defender. When you look at the playoffs, I mean, guys like him thrive. You need guys that are built like him to win playoff mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paolo, I think, is probably a little bit more ready, you could say, just with his body. He's like a mismatch problem, especially in the mid-post. Um, but I would probably have him two, then Chet Holmgren three. Uh, Chet has a lot of upside uh, with him. I mean, I, you see some boards where they have Chet one or Paolo one. I had Jabari number one. I just think he's the he can be your second, third, and even potentially be your number one guy uh, just with his size and his offensive ability. And I think he's a out of the three. I think he's the best switchable defender out of the three. Uh, which is what this is all about. When you look at, like Chelsea talks about small ball, you know, when you look at Boston, you know, those guys are, there's no seven footer. There's no seven one guy just really just in, in camping in the paint. You look at Dallas where Dwight Powell's your center, uh, your starting center. You look at Golden State where, you know, Kevon Looney's your center. You know, you don't need a, a footer to be successful. You need guys, big wings, big guys that can move and defend and can shoot and make shots. That, to me, is why Jabari Smith, to me, is kind of in the lead of number one. But 
it wouldn't surprise me you saw Paolo go one, but it's not a clear cut one. And then Chelsea, on your end, if if you had a pick, and even if he wasn't like, would you just pick the guy you wanted, one of those three guys, or somebody else, or would you just take the safe pick and pick the guy you think that had the most value? Or were you like, no, I like Paolo, I don't care, I'll trade down a number two and get him? What are are you I with mean, on that? I, I agree with a lot of the stuff that Ani said, but I, I'm just about drafting the best fit for what my team needs, okay. you know? And you talk about, like, just, you know, who's picking, we're figuring it out. But those are the teams to me that, you know, have the most most success, unless there is just, like, a Zion. Because, I mean, like, you just right. have to take them. You have, that, in that case, like, everything's out, scratch that. I got to take the best player in the draft because he's head and shoulders better than everybody else. But just as Ani said, like, it can go either way. It's kind of close, Paolo, Chet. Like, you know, I think it's going to come down to who's picking and what the team needs the most. So I, I don't have a clear-cut favorite. I don't even really have a prediction of who I think will go number one. I think it just depends on who's picking. So gotcha. we'll see. So we'll see on Tuesday. That'll tell us a lot more of, like, if a team that barely missed the playoffs moves up in the lottery. Like, it sometimes happens, then everybody says it's rigged. It's rigged. You know, that's going to come. It's rigged. Oh, they're Cavs. It's rigged for the Cavs and whatever other team people like. But uh, for me, I'm more like, if you have balls and you know what you're doing, get the guy you want. That was like, right. even if he's not the, you know, if you have the number one pick, and I know it's sometimes hard because it could be because of uh, cap considerations, you know, salaries and things like that, who you have to cut, who you have to bring on. But, like, that's the problem I thought what happened with the Lakers. If the Lakers liked Lonzo Ball so much, mm-hmm. why didn't you trade down and you still could have got him at four or five and got another asset? Or did you just not think you just missed, missed on Jason Tatum and didn't realize he was that good? That's okay, too, but Lonzo Ball wasn't the number two pick. For sure. That was that was my point of the whole thing. He, he, you panicked. You panicked and grabbed a number two because you're like, that's the guy we want. But if that's the guy you want, get him at the pick he's supposed to be at. So mm-hmm. we'll see if any team can do that. I know that's not that easy, but that's what I would have done. Even I said it then. I was like, he's not the number two pick. He's right. a great player, but he's not the number two pick. I didn't know Jason Tatum was going to be this good. Really, I didn't know Jason Tatum was going to be this good. But yeah, that's a mistake too. So then we talk about the Lakers, and it's like people are like, oh, they should have kept Jason Kidd. There's a million things they could have done, you know, and I, I'm not sure, you know, they won the bubble championship, but, you know, a lot of people are now saying, look what Jason Kidd is doing. You know, you, you've left that go and they've made some other bad choices. So we can talk about that all day long, really, but let's jump into some something else a little bit more serious. We we got some updates on Brittany Griner, uh, Chelsea, uh, even last weekend, the, the WNBA's uh, player association kind of called out the White House really to, to do what is necessary to bring her home. You know, what did you see there? And, you know, obviously you mentioned that you hit it a nail on the head about a month ago. It's like they're holding her for some kind of collateral and, and political purposes. So, you know, it's kind of a, it's just kind of an odd situation and it's heartbreaking, but it's, it's now we're going on what, four months. So, yeah, um, for me, just, you know, it was devastating just to see that picture. They have a picture yeah. circulating of her yeah. hoodie on yeah. head down. Um, obviously she looks okay. Um, yeah. but you can obviously tell she is kind of, you know, defeated by just this whole, you know, process. They extended her for 30 days, which means at the end of that extension, she will have been, you know, retained for 115 days. Like, so it's just kind of like unfathomable when you like process it all. I'm glad that, you know, U S government finally came out and said, Hey, she was wrongfully detained. 
And, you know, I'm starting to see a little bit more urgency, but, you know, even to see the urgency now, you know, 90 days later, it's it's just sad. So now I'm hearing they want to do a a swap. We have a Russian prisoner, um, arms trafficker, whatever that, uh, you know, they want to get back. So it's totally a political, she's being used as a political pawn. And for the first time, like when I saw her, I, I also just felt like, I don't think that this is going to end soon. And and I didn't feel that way at the beginning. Sure. Like, I, I pray that I'm wrong, but it's like, I, I'm praying that this doesn't turn into a couple years, which wow. I know is even like hard to say, but I, I just, I really don't see this ending as swiftly as everybody wants it to, even though it's getting the attention now, because it already kind of is what it is. Like, you know, I just don't see it. So I, I pray for this situation, you know, often because I just couldn't imagine and just her being a fellow, you know, basketball player and just the community being small. Like I've met Brittany several times. I've been around her. Like, you know, I I just can't, I don't really see, you know, anything positive coming from this soon. And I, and I pray that I'm wrong, but, but I'm scared. I'm scared for her. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what, what happens and hopefully the, the, the government is able to do something. But, you know, we have a, a, a policy generally that we don't negotiate on a lot of stuff. So I'm not saying we're not willing to, you know, swap somebody out for her. But, you know, we don't usually negotiate with terrorists and give them their demands. We don't, you know, give in to these other countries when they say we want this, this and this. The U.S. doesn't usually say OK and at least not openly. Like, you know, maybe behind closed doors, they may get something done. But now this is public. So everybody's going to be watching what the government's doing, if they do anything at all. And I, I just I feel scared and I feel sad at, at the outcome. I don't think it's going to be done swiftly. I just don't. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with Chelsea. I, I'm more, I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't think it's 30 days since she's out, unfortunately. Like you pray, you know, pray that it, 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 it ends soon. Uh, but you look at how you, the U.S. how we always operate. Like we're not negotiating <laughs> like that, and and it's going to take time. Like it's not going to be okay. Like they brought up maybe a swap, right? That swap's going to be brought up. Could be brought up a year from now. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's going. It's not. It's not something that we're immediately going to do. Right. Um, and you just you just hate to see like the picture with her with her head down and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, that was just that was just heartbreaking because you're like, damn, like. It's a real talk, It's yeah. real, you know. And then you're talking about like they're talking about ten years potentially for mm-hmm. that. Like you're just like, man, like it's, it's just crazy. It, it, you hate to like see that. You're like, man, that could be like nobody is, you know, that like, could be anybody. That could be anybody. Like I mean, this is her right right now, just in this situation. And you're just looking like, okay, you hope for it to end soon. You pray and. But man, like you just don't know. It's a lot of not knowing. And just and just a quick side note too, Ani. Like, so they end up releasing, like Russia released, you know, a U.S. Right. soldier that they had, but they only really released him because he got sick, and they just didn't want him to die in a Russian prison or whatever. I think they said he got TB or I don't know something mm-hmm. like tuberculosis right. or something right. like that. Um, but basically, they only let him go because they were like, okay, we're not going to let him die here. Like, we're going to yeah. send him home and whatever. But that was legitimately the only reason. So my yeah. thing is, like, this is really bad. And yeah. it's scary. Chelsea, let, let's talk a little bit about something that you would know 
more than me and Ani about. And obviously we had Chloe Wells uh, as a guest on a few episodes ago talking about her Russian experience, her being a, a, a California girl and, and growing up here and playing in Russia and glad that she came back. But uh, have you guys talked internally about any with any of the girls or the girls who go overseas? Like, yo, look what's happening with with um, with Brittany. Now, maybe you you know your country where you're going to go in Israel for the 10th year is safe. But have any other girls said, you know, I'm not sure I want to go back right now. Or this next coming year, like I'm gonna chill out to see what happens. Um, I mean, I think it's not so much internal, like the sure. our agents and stuff like that. Like certain places, it's not an option to go there anymore. So, despite yeah. you know, even if you wanted to go to Russia, Russia's not having in a league, and we're not bringing any Americans there regardless. So that basically He's eliminates out. Russia. So if, you, if you've already seen a lot of the top Russian. Um, or top WNBA players that play in the Russian league, they're already signing in other places. You yeah. know, Ali Quigley, you know, Courtney Vandersloot, they're, they're signing mm -hmm. in, in Finner now in Turkey. So the Russian league is dead, at least as far as Americans being there and going. So I, I don't even think, you know, it, it's not a secret. Agents yeah. are coming out and saying, it's not an option for you to play here. And it has nothing to do with money. It's just like, we're, we're just not doing it. So there will be right. no Americans, to my knowledge, um, in the Russian league, unless they have some type of passport. Uh, the only, the only um, person I know that has a passport that's American is Epiphany Prince. She plays, she's a vet. Uh, she's from New York. She plays on the Seattle Storm. She has a Russian passport. So she's been playing in Russia for a really long time. Um, I haven't got to talk with her about that. I've talked to her a little bit recently, but we talk about shoes and just other stuff. Sure, um, sure. I haven't got to talk to her about if she's even going back, but I can't even imagine her going under the circumstances, just knowing a fellow American is being basically kind of held captive there. Sure. Um, but if anybody were to go back, maybe it would be her just because of the citizenship standpoint. Um, but yeah, the Russian league is dead. Same with the Ukrainian league. I mean, obviously, you can't play yeah. any basketball there. So, you know, they have uh, Prometi, which is a Euro Cup women's team that, you know, had good players play there last year that actually had success in Euro Cup. Um, so I don't know if the Ukrainian league is strong super collectively, but girls are playing there. So yeah. that's out too. So what I've been talking about, which doesn't really affect me so much, but I've been seeing my agents sending messages and stuff to our group chat or whatever, um, is just how the European landscape is changing because now a lot of the players that would have taken these jobs in Russia and other places, they're on the market and they're looking for other jobs. And now they're taking, you know, my job or somebody else's job because the job yeah. that they're used to is no longer available. So I am already signed, sealed and delivered to go back to Maccabi Haifa in Israel for my 10th overseas season. So I'm already done. But that was kind of my, you know, want to sign early because I just know there's going to be some girls, you know, coming up here that are going to be scrambling a little bit because some of the jobs that they may usually take won't be available, whether a better player has taken them or just better players are on the market taking maybe, you know, less money. So it's like, hey, if I can, you know, scrounge up a couple extra thousand to get this girl, this is a different caliber of player than, you know, what we're used to having. And, and that's what we're going to see the most in the European landscape. Not so much people worried about going to Russia. Like, that's dead. Like, we're, sure. we're just not doing that right now. Gotcha. So it's going to be a trickle down where the girls go. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's some really good insight. And we talked about um, praying and, God, you don't know, hope this thing works out. I, I wanted to talk to you guys about a serious note about what happened in Buffalo. Because we talk about praying. We talk about doing the right thing. And, you know, th this young man, 18 years old, goes to a black neighborhood and he basically shoots – 10 people dead, two, two 
Caucasians, 10 African Americans. Again, he's 18 years old. He's coming from three hours away. He's live streaming it on Twitch, which is nuts at his in itself. I mean, I don't know who's watching that, or you know, people maybe there's networks of people that follow that kind of stuff. And you know, what is the answer? Uh, you know, what do we do from here? We 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 joked over the weekend, Chelsea, about uh going to a concert, you were going to a concert and you had a good time, but even there was some a little bit of like uh hesitation there was some hesitation on my part i was thinking about going to two and the person i wanted to go with she just kind of didn't really want to go she's i'm a little afraid of big crowds and, she, and people are afraid of big crowds even just because of covid the, the anxiety of getting back into the mix with a lot of people in public places so regardless of the shooting there's still more anxiety so this brings even more anxiety like and then you see these pictures that it's heartbreaking because the one lady was 86 one lady was 72 yeah. You know, what do you guys think? And then what is there any solution we, we have here? I mean, it's all messed up, <laughs> you know, man. I mean, I uh, I was talking to my, uh, my guy, Alex, um, and he it was 10 minutes from his uh, the shooting was 10 minutes from his place. Uh, he he said his girlfriend called him and she was like, hey, look at the news. And he was she was like, he's like, why look at the news? He's like, yo, there's a shooting at Tops um, 10 minutes from his house. Uh, and just all here over science for hours. Uh, you seen the video, uh, which I regret that I even watched that. I mean, is bro, I don't know what the solution is, <laughs> you know, yeah. honestly. Like, yeah, to me, sometimes I when you see stuff like that, it's so it's it's wicked and evil, but Correct. I feel like it's going to inspire someone else to do mm -hmm. something down the road, and that that's like yeah. the alarming part is. I feel that we, I feel like stuff like this inspires somebody to, to go one up him. Okay, um, yeah. And I think it's more, I don't know what the solution is, but we got to prevent that from happening. Um, Cause that was sick. I mean, I mean, it was just racially motivated. The fact that he would live stream it <laughs> and, 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 and do that. I mean, yo, yeah. it's just <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like, hard to comprehend. Yeah. yeah. Hard to come up with a quick, quick answer. What do you think, Chelsea? I mean, I don't think that there's a solution. And I, I honestly don't think that things are going to change. And the one thing I've noticed about myself, which is terrible, is I have become so desensitized to some of the things that are happening. Like my heart breaks for the family and the victims and stuff like that. But next month, we'll be talking about somebody else. And that's the cycle of the United States and just sure. how things work. And it's about money and, and gun laws and, and politics. And, and we'd so much right. rather, you know, have so many protecting amendment rights and all kinds of stuff than kind of addressing the serious problems that we have. And, yeah. and one of the main things is we have domestic terrorism. Forget you know, we love to talk about Muslims and Arabs and all these people that are, you know, immigrants that are trying to get into the country. But it's like we have our own problems with people that are our neighbors. Yeah. And we've had those problems and we don't address them. First thing you hear is the kid had a mental illness. Oh, this was a, this was an isolated event. No, it's not. This kind of stuff happens regularly. It happens nowhere else. And I've been to a million different countries. It happens nowhere yeah. else. People, the first thing a lot of people say to me is, oh my God, you play in Israel? Like, how is it out there? Like, you know, cause they watch right. the news and they think it's a war zone. 
I'm safer in Israel than I am here. I promise you I can go around in Israel and I, I will have a lesser chance of getting shot up at a movie theater or a grocery store than I do in the United States. Yeah. It happens so much. And, and, and I just feel like it has become normal that everybody is just like, yeah, we're sad about it. Thoughts and prayers. And then it happens again next month and we repeat the cycle all over again. And, and that's the part like this would be extreme if it happened anywhere else. I promise you, like it would be yeah. a big deal. It's not a big deal here. We had a couple shootings in the last couple of days. So yeah, that was the biggest one. We're at that store yeah. and hate crime, racially motivated for sure, which we, we love to say that, you know, people say that racism isn't alive and well here and it's isolated, but this kind of stuff is just too it's, normal. It's really the American way and it's wow. sick. So I, I don't see anything changing because this has been happening Time and time again, there will be somebody else, like Ani said, who is motivated by this guy. He had a manifesto. He was brought in and already pled not guilty. Like, you know, he, yeah. he's quoting different people and, and, and what he believes is America. And it's unfortunate that he's right. He's quoting Tucker Carlson. He's quoting yeah. Donald Trump and what he thinks about preserving white people and their image. Like, that kind of stuff is just crazy. And he's yeah. not the only one. And there's a lot of people that feel this way. So it's unfortunate, but, you know, all you can really do is pray for your loved ones try to be as aware and, and safe as possible. But you, you talked about me. I went to Lovers and Friends um, yesterday, Ani, which is a huge festival in yeah. the fairgrounds in Vegas. Um, Ludacris, Little John, Sierra, like every, you know, pretty much artist uh, from the 90s and, you know, early 2000s that you could think of was pretty much there performing. And you're in this huge crowd of people, you, you know, you saw what happened last time we had a festival in, in Las Vegas with the oh, shooting yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's like, <clears throat> you're not safe anywhere. So my mindset, which is terrible, is like, you know what, I'm not safe, you know, going to this concert and I'm not safe going to the grocery store. So right. you can live your life in fear, but it's yeah. like, I can't not do stuff because there's a chance that anything could happen anywhere. And that is like a terrible feeling, but it's just a reality. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with the situation. And and I, and it sucks, but I, I don't really know how else to feel any other way. Wow. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm glad that you're honest and you say you feel you're desensitized. That's a really good point. Like, as you said, you said, you know, you, you enjoyed yourself. You went, I know you had a little bit of hesitation, but not enough to not go. Yeah, I had a great time. And, you know, yeah. you're looking up just like, dang, if somebody were to drop right. a bomb on this place, it's over with. But yeah. then the next song comes on. And he's like, you forget about Yeah, no, that's real. That's I'm real. being honest. Yeah. Me, and it's terrible. I'm not saying that it's OK, but I'm telling you, this is my thought process. I look up, I look around for a second, like, dang, this could be bad. And then I continue my night and I had a great night. I made it home and. You know, you're here now. Yeah, I, I live to now. you know see another day, and we'll see what happens this week. You you just don't know. Correct. Yeah. The one thing I will say about the desensitization is, I have a friend, and she has a young son, and she goes, you know, she got shook up, and she told me, he he goes, uh, mom, I'm gonna kill you with a hammer. I'm gonna get a hammer and, and get you and, and and hit you. And she kind of said it like, you know, this boy's watching YouTube, and and mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like. You said that we said that we probably all three of us have said that when we were kids a little bit, probably me less because my mom and dad didn't play. That would not be acceptable. <laughs> no, no, yeah, we, I know we didn't say that, but we said funny little things. But the kids say that stuff more often now. But she didn't think it was very funny. And I go, she goes, He's watching YouTube 
and and getting these stories and these things that there's literally uh segments and videos out there where it tells like and maybe in a cartoon form where it tells kids to kill their parents and like people are watching that kids are watching that and then she's all mom i'm gonna get you with the hammer and it wasn't like a joking statement yeah a yeah. funny statement like a little kid watching a tv so it's very scary but yeah you know as so i think that's where the desensitization starts when it's very young because i i didn't have that and i know you guys didn't have that too much either there was At like all. i couldn't really say nothing like that and i didn't joke around i never thought to joke around when my parents are older even any older people in the neighborhood and I kind of came right at the end of like uh, school corporal punishment. So when I was uh, in kindergarten, yeah. first and second grade, the teachers still could hit yeah. your ass. You know what I mean? Like yeah. jack you up. So you had this kind of like this uh, respect for elders and, and just this whole different uh, community kind of uh, keeping kids in line. You know, they keep us in line like the next door neighbors and stuff. And that's gone, like completely gone. Mm -hmm. You people don't want to be bothered. And then the COVID made it worse because like, hey, don't get near me. Don't tell my kid anything. Get over there. And now it's really bad. Like she she was a little shook up when she told that. She was like, you know, I, I want him to hang out with his dad a little more right now. I'm, I'm a little mad. She was because he was he just said it in a mean tone. And he's watching YouTube at too young. You know, no, YouTube is the worst, Ronnie. Yeah. And there is too much content on YouTube. Yeah. Literally. And then the suggested videos like that be popping up like. You may not be watching nothing that yeah. in regards to what yeah. and you know the video all of a sudden YouTube will yeah. suggest some wild and you're like, yo, yeah, and then yeah. you know, you know how we you know you can click on that and all of a sudden we're in a whole different world. And right is yeah. if we're adults, I mean that's easy, really easy for a kid. Right. <laughs> yeah, this kid is four or five or something, you're young, but that that's where I'm saying the desensitization starts. So hopefully things turn around. Uh, one more thing on that, Ani, uh, Charles Campbell, I don't know if you know Charles, he's been around in basketball. He kind of mentioned that all the places of worship and big churches and congregations, he's like, Ronnie, everybody's armed up, like they have security. Uh, that you're not gonna, you know, they may see it less and less in places like that, compared to a place like Buffalo, LA. You Is that your experience? Like when you, you know, when people, your family go to church or uh, places like that, where there's a lot of security and a lot, even like armed security. Yeah, now a uh, church I go to, there's security. Um, there's, there's security. I mean, you got security outside and you got security inside. Um, just because, you know, there's no shootings at church. I mean, there's there, there's some that don't have it that kind of, you know, yeah. but now you're seeing more and more churches that have multiple security. Um, yeah. Just because, you know, you can walk in, you know, there, you, know you, you can walk in, anyone can just, obviously it's a, Place of war place of worship, but you know, you sure. just never know people's intent. Which means which means nothing, Ani. It being, it, it being a place of worship. We've seen churches get shot up. Shot up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's my point. No place is safe. L it's literally, not. unless you are in the confines of your house and hopefully somebody doesn't come there. But yeah. there's no place here that is safe for us. Wow. Like, how sad is that? You can list we can go down the mass shootings, Ronnie, and something has happened everywhere. A park, a grocery store, a movie theater, a church, a school. Yeah. Like, where are we supposed to not go anywhere, Ani? What are we supposed to do? Yeah. Gotta live our life. I mean, yeah, like you say, you can't, you can't in fear, but it's it's messed up that because in the back of your mind, like I remember I was in New Orleans, I was in a large crowd. I was at this uh that had something going on, and uh, I was like, yo, someone could just shoot up. Kill yeah. about fifty people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. messed up that you we think that we way. Think that. 
that. But it's just the reality is like, oh, you know, this is where we at. Like, man, yeah. I wonder what someone's thinking today. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's 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 a scary thing. But like you said, we move forward and we'll we'll continue to move forward. Let's let's jump into what we want to talk about a little bit about Bonnie. Um, we know you went to some events uh, last week to Buffs event. Uh, who wants to smoke? And we're going to talk about a uh, high school underclass All-American team. We're going to have a guest on, Paul Hernandez. He went to a couple events from 6-1 Hoops Live. He's a California guy, and he covers uh, a little bit off the beaten path. The guys that are a little lower level, we, we talk about, you know, these, these hubs of basketball where there's great players. Obviously, we are in Dallas is one. LA is another one. Uh, obviously Chicago and places like that, but he covers the central Valley in California where, you know, you, you players fight to get on the right travel teams, make the right moves, get themselves exposure, you know, get in front of college coaches, things of that nature. So Ani, uh, did you go anywhere this past week or were you just at bus last week and then gearing up for uh, Memorial day and, and Pangos and, and, and things like that coming up? Yeah. I was just at bus last week, this week. I kind of did some site directing. There was a, a prep who's had a girls event. Um, okay. So I went and uh, I said, watch some girls. You know, obviously I'm not a girls basketball evaluator, but I got to see good girls basketball. So uh, sure. uh, it was it was it was good. It was very interesting to just to see the difference. Always like you know how the girls move the basketball compared to the guys. <laughs> uh, some just like the coaches don't. I didn't. I saw so many less like coaches getting in a rest face. Compared to I see, <laughs> I see it. Like, yeah, like it was like I was just watching. I was like, damn, like it's yeah. this is a it's a difference, you know what I mean? Like, and it, I don't know. I saw more of like pure basketball. I mean, the, I saw a lot of high level talent at Bus Event, and obviously, yeah. but like you just see, there's just a difference. You you, you just see the difference. The less of a use is like more using skill and feel a lot more compared to just using natural. Like we see a kid not just an athlete talent, talented, but right. not a basketball player per se. I saw a lot of basketball players this past weekend. I would say. Yeah. That. I would think overall, when you just look from top to bottom, obviously there's a good event like bus event or some of the events we're going to go to is, but if you look at the average, just events, the girls are getting a better experience and they're getting a better bang for their buck yeah. for sure. <laughs> they're, 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 they're learning more. They're getting better faster. Uh, I think we, 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 we've talked about that before. And as this NBA playoffs has gone on, you mentioned your guy, Luca, you, you, you're riding with Luca. It's that experience he had growing up and the one uh, Giannis had probably with and MB going through the uh, basketball without borders, things like that. Those guys are getting a better experience. Like, what is happening in American boys' grassroots ball? Like, I mean, we could have a whole – we should have a whole episode about it, really. Me. You know, like, what's happening? Because, in essence, as we're trying to find the Michael, next Michael Jordan, we've killed the next Michael Jordan. In essence, the last 20 or 30 years, we're looking for the next Michael Jordan. And the way we look – the way he came about, it's not going to happen again. So, right. we're, we've, in essence, killed him before we even had a chance. And I think that's what makes LeBron so special. Like, he had all the – uh, pressures of that, and he lived up to it. Really, mm -hmm. I mean, he's really one of the only guys. The other, we can name a thousand guys on here. We can talk about it. I can name a thousand guys that are supposed to be the next, 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 and it hasn't happened. So, I'm glad the girls get the good experience. We'll we'll talk about that too, especially if 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 the Dallas Mavs get by uh, get by uh, Golden State. We'll There's talk, no way, we'll talk, Adi, There is 
There is no way. And Luca is going to be incredible. And I'm here for the Luca show. I'm, I'm telling you, I am absolutely here for the Luca show. I think but... Kelsey likes Luca a little more than she's letting on. No, I love Luca. Don't get me wrong, but I just I'm, I have to be realistic. Yeah. The Warriors that's, are that's going fun. to be sitting down and playing defense. Draymond going to be throwing some illegal screens and all kinds of stuff, and they're going to win. Interesting. Yeah, they know how to win. We'll see how that goes. So, uh, Ani, talk a little bit about uh, some of the better players you saw at Buffs event. And, and maybe a couple of the guys that surprised you or, or made a name for themselves. Yeah, I thought Xavier Booker, who played for George Hill, uh, elite, yeah. uh, 6'10". Uh, it's crazy. A kid like him, I think the highest ranking was 90th. And uh, I think 24-7 has him 90th. Uh, yeah. 6'10", lefty, <clears throat> can shoot it, agile, put the ball on the floor, finishes above the rim. He was the best player in the gym. Um Top five nationally ranked. I mean, he's going to be a top five player in that class. I was talking to some guys, guys that work on some of those national outlets, and and I was like, man, you can't tell me there's five players in the country better than him, you know? And uh, they agreed. Uh, just crazy. Like, I don't know if he's a late bloomer or something like that, but a kid with his size and ability and the way he moves – it's just very surprising that, you know, there's some that don't even really know who he is or didn't even have him in the top 150. Uh, I thought he was the best player in the gym. Mm-hmm. It just really, really, it was really incredible. Another kid, Dennis, I forgot the first name, 7 1. Yeah. Yeah. 7 1, elite shot blocker. I think he's still 17 or hasn't turned 17 yet. He yeah. turned 17 in the summer. Uh, block shots. Like, like at his peak, I saw him make a couple threes. I don't think that's really what he does right now, but the the, the, the shooting is there. Uh, him and Xavier Booker went at each other, and it was just it was just like the battle of Goliaths. Um, it was very impre- I was very impressed with him. They uh, his team, who they're just kind of an independent team, had had a few pieces around him, but they competed against EYBL teams and other shoe company teams, and. He was just a real dominant force in the paint. He's still raw on some, in some yeah. areas, uh, which you would imagine a 16-year-old, seven-foot-one kid. But, uh, you know, another kid that I think you can't tell me there's 25 players in the country better than him. Uh, wow. It, it, it just, you know, it, it, it was incredible. Like, seeing guys like him in, in environments like that, like, the truth just gets told, right? <laughs> um, like him and Xavier Booker. But I thought – uh, Dennis was really good. Uh, kid that kind of came out the uh, out of nowhere. Uh, he's a Sudanese kid, Gawal Dang. Uh, went to Car- goes to Carmel High School in Indianapolis. Doesn't start didn't start for his high school team this year. Six wow. three athletic guard. Uh, just picked up off from Arizona State. TCU just offered. Gets downhill, finishes by the rim, defends with long arms. I think he has like a plus three wingspan. It was incredible that the kid hasn't didn't even start for his high school team. You can't tell me that there was. I mean, I want to see who was the guard ahead of him. <laughs> you know, you know, like yeah. and like becoming a high major basketball player. I mean, you got this SEC schools that have been calling me about him. Big Twelve. Yeah. I mean, Pac Twelve. Like, I mean, I've gotten a lot of calls about that kid, mm-hmm. and uh, he just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, Another kid, uh, 3D Empire, uh, another Sudanese kid, his name is Qual Attack. He goes to Haltom City out in Fort Worth. Uh, first time I saw him, I was actually – so where they had the event, there was two back uh, gyms, which I like going to the back gyms. I always 
want to find like you know there's always a diamond. talent yeah yeah there's always a diamond rough in the back gyms and uh that's where I, I saw him about six seven uh said the mom reportedly six seven uncles are seven three <laughs> uh oh, wow. yeah like it smooth with it you know had a game made six three pointers uh there's a little hitch on the shot but he can improve moves well good footwork seen like one-legged phase in the mid post and you know kind of tag left and right with crafty finishes he's skinny um very skinny he needs to get stronger but uh just a kid, I was like, yo, like, where's this kid come from? I like, I walked to his coach during the game. I'm like, who the hell is this kid? Like, he just like, yeah, that's quality attack. He's he grow, he's he grew like three inches this past year. And uh you can tell he's growing. You see, you see the uh see the knee bands, like you mm-hmm. see the bands on his knees, you see the arms, see how he kind of still kind of moves awkwardly, but I thought he was like the 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 hidden gem. I told a lot of coaches about him. I thought I thought he was a He's a high major prospect. I mean, obviously, yeah. you look at him. He's skinny, gets pushed around some, but he plays hard, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, yeah, I, I just, I was just really amazed that you know. I, that's why I love going to the back gym. People like I love my job. Like obviously going to evaluate and seeing kids, seeing yeah. Xavier Booker's, and you know, there was Ron Hollins and uh, Isaiah Collier, who are you know five star guys. But you know, when you see the kids like him. <laughs> that's what makes the job exciting for me is just seeing that. Cause you kind of have to see beyond the obvious on those yeah. types of situations. So yeah, those were my standouts. I mean, you had, there was, there was other, I mean, it was loaded. Um, uh, Jace Posey for Houston hoops uh, is really coming along. Jojo Tugler for hoops, a six, eight forward that, you know, Kansas state just offered getting better. Levon had a couple pieces. Uh, Wesley Yates was really good. Um, Chris Johnson was good for JL three, you know, this little situation, but he was, he was good. I mean, he like a high major prospect, you know, it was kind of down to, um, I think Arkansas, Kansas, I think Tennessee is kind of getting involved in some of the situation just committed to Montverde. Um, but I would say the one thing about bus event, that was interesting. You saw every, I thought I saw probably like five different prep schools. My, uh, link your recruiting players, <laughs> yeah. Recruiting by Link your academy, Southern mm-hmm. Cal Academy, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oak Hill. Uh, I saw like two others, you know, there's guys that are walking in, they only have the polo on, you know, they just they trying to get it done, you know, they just kind of sitting in the bleach mm-hmm. trying to get it done. So, you had a lot going on. Uh, you yeah. saw, there was a lot of talent. I mean, there was a handful of guys, I mean, more than a handful of guys that were just really, really got stuff done, but uh, it was just. It was interesting. You see the, you see like Trey Young's in the building. Uh, Corey Maggette, you know he has a team. I didn't know he he, he coaches yeah, a team. Yeah. yeah, you saw like you saw a lot of guys. You know Jermaine O'Neal's coaching his Drive Nation 15 sure. team. Um, but it was it was it was it was good. Bus event was really really good. You saw really a lot of good evaluation games um, that you know you normally probably wouldn't see like in early May. So yeah, for sure. Nice. Yeah. Speaking of evaluation, we're, we're going to bring on our guest, Paul Hernandez, now. Like we said, well, you mentioned diamonds in the rough and guys you'd like to see, and that's who he likes to focus on um, here in, in, in California and beyond, and especially guys that are not in the metropolitan area. So let's bring on Paul now. Pa- Paul, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Can you hear me, Ron? Yep, I can hear you. Appreciate you jumping on and in the yeah. paint show here with me, uh, Chelsea and Ani. Uh, uh-huh. Thanks for your time. Hey, Paul. Um, Paul, just talk about uh, – Ani was talking about he went to Buffs event two two weekends ago. Just talk about the event you went to last week 
and and the recent events and just kind of what you're you're gauging out there and, and what your focus is yeah so um uh, this weekend i was at uh i was in socal just kind of popping around different stuff uh went to west coast elite had their collision um it, i think it's an mm. event they're trying to do with uh the new york jayhawks kind of like a coast to coast type thing um okay. So Jayhawks were there, which was pretty, I mean, that was intriguing to watch. There's some good games there. Um, and then I went over to, on Saturday, I went by uh, Assumption Greek Church. Dinos had his um, Pango's Best of SoCal Showcase. Sure. Uh, checked out a few, you know, a few games there. I just went for like the 23, 24 games, some of the upper class stuff. I should have went for the 25 games because apparently Tunde and Giovanni Ruff were killing it. Yeah. But uh, did, didn't make it to those. And then I went to the, um, yesterday I went by uh, Open Gym Premier and caught some of the um, stage act three uh, with a lot of the Adidas teams and stuff like that. Watch Compton Magic, Dream Vision. Um, specifically went there to watch players play. Uh, really like the so the sophomore kid they have there, Carmichael. So um, it was good. Uh, hold on, sorry, bell's ringing for the next period. But it was good like, trying to get around the three different events. You know what I mean? It was good, got there Friday. So I was able to watch some stuff Friday night, Saturday, and then into Sunday. Um, and, and just a lot, of, like you guys were mentioning, uh, I was listening in for like the last 10 minutes, a lot of good talent out there, you know, um, some of it's under the radar. I think there's so many events occurring on a weekly basis sure. that it's, uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, you've got to be in the right position, but a lot of scouts out too. I uh, didn't see a lot of coaches out necessarily, but definitely a lot of scouts out, um, in the mix, uh, at the three different events over the weekend. So that was good. Nice. Paul. So, so are you focusing right now while you're out and about like, um, on seeing new teams and new players, or are you kind of just trying to get updates on players from your main coverage area, you know, the Central Valley? Like, what, what's your primary focus at this time? Um, this time of year is fun. Uh, it's a little bit of both. Um, I try to get the schedules from all the club teams, like the relevant club teams in the Central section. Okay. Uh, there's about four or five, you know, that have quality players uh, and that have like a bunch, uh, uh, like four or five at least good players in their programs. And so, I try to do a little both. I try to figure out where their schedules are at, and then I try to kind of network with them as far as, you know, if they're going to be in SoCal, if they're going to be in Vegas, and then try to get to, to some of the stuff that they're at. But at the same time, I also like to use this time of year to evaluate and scout just other talent around. You know what I'm saying? Yes. SoCal talent, uh, Western region talent, so Vegas or, or Nevada, Arizona, Northwest region, Utah. I've seen a lot of kids from Utah that are really good the last couple of – or last month and a half. Um so it's a little bit of both. And I think for me, it's important to do that because if I'm just focusing on kids in the central section, um, my eye for talent will be distorted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a lens sure. to look at it through. So I really try to use this time of the year outside of the traditional high school season, the spring and summer, to do a little bit of both. To scout guys, to see you know who are the guys out and about that are doing stuff from the central section, how are they doing when they're playing against kids from bigger areas, right? Like bigger cities, the SoCal area, playing against, you know, higher quality uh, club teams. Um, sure. And then also at the same time, try to get a chance to see some of the guys that I want to see too, some high level hoops. Um, yeah. so it, it's a little a blend, a, a blend of both. And then I really enjoy this time of year um, because I think this is critical for me to be a better scout and evaluator in the central section. Sure. This is a time of year where I really got to sharpen those skills. So spending a lot of time talking with guys like Frank Burleson, uh, you know, Dinos, talking with Ronnie a lot, whether it's on the phone or at events, sure. um, right. and, and trying to pick their brains in the process. So it's kind of a little bit of three things, really, you know, 
focusing on local players, focusing on players outside of the region, but then also networking with the people that have kind of helped me get to where I'm at right now and to kind of keep sharpening those skills so that my eye doesn't get distorted by just watching basketball in Central California. Nice. Sure. So when you um, – basketball Central California, has there been a – well, how would you say this 23 class or compared uh, to the previous years? Uh, like how would you say as far as talent and depth, how many Division I basketball players would you say there is? Yeah, so – I would say if we go back just two years ago, right, 2021, there was quite a few D1 guys. You had uh, Cole Anderson, who was at um, Santa Barbara. You had um, Jaden Jerron from San Joaquin Memorial, who's at Rice University. And you kind of go down the list. Even even a guy like Cedric Coward, who was at Central, he went D3. But after a phenomenal freshman campaign last year, now he's at Eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. So that one class had a lot of had a lot of guys, you know, that, that are playing at the Division One level or at least had opportunities, maybe or D2, but but in that in that process. For the 23 class, I would say right now, there's not really a guy that's kind of separated at that division one. There's some borderline guys um, that, that are D1 guys. Uh, JJ Howard, Jamar Howard from uh, Mission Prep, I think is kind of a borderline guy. Um, Mike, Mike Davis Jr. at San Joaquin Memorial is another borderline guy. Um, but as far as kind of who's at that, you know, that level of, of really getting that recruitment. I think also what you're seeing is a lot of these guys, because of the lack of exposure they get throughout the regular high school season, right, mm. um, are really kind of looking at, all right, this a this club season is going to be critical for me to kind of jump up those levels of being maybe a Division two recruit or prospect that actually should be more of a Division one low major guy. And, and try to kind of jump up that scale because they're coming off that last AAU season last year that was kind of all jammed together. Let's try to get as much exposure as yeah. possible. I think some of those 23 guys in the central section kind of lost out on that. So uh, does that get at the question uh, uh, that you were asking? Yeah, yeah, no, that did, that did. Uh, yeah, because uh, I just want to see, like, like we talk a lot about the tw- – like, me and Roddy talks about like 22 class. We feel like it's a little bit more deeper than the 23 class. Um, yeah, I think it's the same thing here in the central section. I, I the depth, and I think okay, and I and, and I think Ronnie and I have talked about this before. Uh, I know I've talked about it with Frank, but as far as the the prep school move, right, and, and the move to the academies and prep schools, I think you're seeing talent kind of dwindle uh, at the high school level ac- across the board uh, in Cali, and we still have so much talent. That, that it's still a lot of talent at the high, in the high school systems, but I've definitely seen it in central in Central California since the last couple of years. I think it's a lack of access to gyms throughout COVID. Um, mm. I think it's maybe a lack a lack of access of knowing where to play, what right events to be in during sure. the season. Um, I think that's a huge problem for Central Section players is being in the right spots, mm. uh, yeah. right times, and knowing. I mean, there's so many events. Uh, I know Ronnie and I talked about this a lot with regards to the live periods. The second live period in SoCal, you had six events in one weekend. How do you yeah. pick which one's good? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which is the best one to be at? Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of a trickling down effect to the smaller media areas like the central section. You're just not seeing the, the players developed as much as they were a couple of years ago. Um, and also having that kind of platform to be on. To, to even increase their value as prospects. It just hasn't really been there. Um, and so I think there, you know, there's a little bit of suffering. I don't think the talent levels is deep, but I also don't, I think they've missed some opportunities the last couple of years. So it's playing a catch up game, I think is a little bit of the issue too. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I see it's, 
eerie similar to like Central Texas here with the San Antonio Austin area. Uh, every time we have like a top level player like Zayden High, is going to be probably top seventy five player in the country. He's left to go to AZ Compass. Yep. Uh, is it? Would you say it's true where if you have a kid that's going to be a high major player or you know like four or five star kid, is it safe to say that you'll probably lose them? Because in Central Texas, that's very common, um, especially I, when we got that in the twenty one class. Yeah, I think yes, but I'm hoping Joseph Hunter set a good trend. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Joseph Hunter was the kid that everyone looked at like, okay, he's going to bounce. Jalen Green left going for his senior year to go to Prolific Prep, and Joseph was kind of that next dude that was in that top 100 category that had options. And I know he had three or four different prep school options. I think he had even taken a trip down to AZ Compass to kind of do a visit, and then he decided to stay local and decided to play for, you know, San Joaquin Memorial's senior year. The decision to stay at Fresno State instead of taking some of his other offers, I think, is another factor that I'm hoping um, becomes kind of like where we don't have our top one or two guys make that decision. But also the reality is, is the Division One talent pool in the central section is not really there, right? Uh, sure. Okay. Um, we don't have the D1 guys. Now, if we start looking down the road a little bit, there are some 25s that I would say – might be in that category. Uh, one of them being Tunde Yusefa from San, uh, St. Joseph's. Now yeah. his living situation may prevent that. I don't know, but he's a kid right now already. Ronnie had, I think you guys had him for Cal high as freshman of the year. Correct. Yeah, he's a freshman uh, of the year. Yep. Showed up to Dinos's event the other day, put up 42. Um, he's a kid that I would be like, okay, he may be one to leave. The other one I, I would say may have the, the game and the statistics to be there in a couple years would be Julius, Oranju, who goes to Kalinga High School, uh, 6'5", really, really talented kid. Um, however, they're even hesitant on going to San Joaquin Memorial being a little bit too much out of the way. So I'm, I'm hoping that that doesn't happen. Um, but I, I think for every area, small market, big market, uh, the, the attraction, the allure seems to be there for all the kids. You know, So I think we're all kind of uh, big market or small market. I think it's a threat to our top high school kids as they progress through. Sure. Paul, Paul, I liked what you said about just kind of being in the right place at the right time. And that's kind of the most important thing. So I'm just curious, what do you feel is the most important thing that you can do to personally help the kids in your region? You know, just it being, you know, not a main media hub, you know, maybe you're not, you know, getting the same exposure. Well, what do you feel that you can do just to kind of help those kids or to, you know, push them and, and get them going where they need to go? Yeah, so the last couple of years have been really helpful. Uh, I, I So I coached cl- uh, club ball and I coached high school basketball. And then before that, you know, junior high basketball. So I've been coaching for about eight or nine years or so. And then the last couple of years with club basketball is when I kind of started seeing I didn't have another group. I was kind of falling out of love with the grind of, of coaching club basketball. But also I started doing a lot of more media stuff. And I started just going to events on a regular basis and building a rapport with a lot of the scouts and media people. And so for me personally, I feel the, the things that I can, that I can do to help assist in that process is one, um, you know, getting names to, to, to the people that matter, getting players names. So just so the names are out there. So when Ronnie's doing his rankings for Cal high, you know, getting him here's four or five guys for this class, for that class, that helps doing my own rankings when the central section as a way to kind of build, you know, so, the, the 25th guy, he's not going to get any recognition outside the area, but the top yeah. five or six may. And then they may crack a list, whether it's a prep hoops ranking, whether it's a Cal high ranking or any of the other rankings that are done. Now you've got kids names being in there. 
and then also passing names along so that if I'm not able to be at an event, you know, that's a, that's a profile event, but I know Ronnie's going to be there. Or I know Frank's going to be there. Or I know Devin Uglin's going to be there or Dino's, you know, one of those guys going to be there. I can send them a list of guys. So at least those names are getting passed on. And then I think the most important thing that we've started doing the last year is hosting events here in the central section, but also doing them, whether it's in collaboration with or doing them in like the top players getting an invite or, not, or I'm sorry, getting a, um, a, a paid for invite to a bigger event in a bigger market area. Right. So sure. we did our junior, uh, a freshman, uh, freshman, sophomore showcase back in August. And the top player got a discount to go to Dinos's uh, and, and Etopes uh, Pango's all best of all West Frosh off camp, right? Yeah. So using that as a way to kind of leverage those guys to get into bigger uh, events, but also I think having the events here in the central section, but providing the things that that are at the quality events, so live stream, right? Having uh, doing post evaluation uh, write ups and things like that for the top players. Um, having the media there so you've got the mixtape environment involved as well. well um, having those those same things that you see at the events that matter just on a smaller scale. And what I like about that in the central section is we can get our top guys to compete, but they're not having to compete against the big names that they would be competing against down in Southern California or sure. in Vegas. Not saying they don't need that because they need that also. They need to put their games up against those kids, but you know, if a kid's a sophomore from, let's say, Fresno, right, and he's never done any showcase individual stuff, he's never done an individual event uh, like a Pangos event or a West Coast Elite event or one of Freitas's event, you know, these these individual camps and showcases that have a lot of, you know, prestige behind them. And they go down their first time as a sophomore in high school and they're going down yeah. to, to L.A., they're going to go up in an event. And Ronnie and I have talked about this. <laughs> okay. and we all know this. We probably top 30 before the event even starts, right? Or at least yeah. have a list of yeah. people most likely to be. So then so then a central section kid's going down there, and they're not just competing against the game of the players. They're competing against the name of the players. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, we know. We all know that the, the different the different hot spot areas, those top kids are the, at every single event. So it's not just the politics of it. It's the name recognition and the face recognition that kids in the smaller markets are up against. And if they don't start doing these showcases at a younger age, and it's hard selling that to parents because the parents look at it like, man, it costs this amount of money or costs that mm-hmm. amount. Of money. But I, my, my sale to them is, okay, but if you don't start doing these things until they're in high school, you're going to be going down to these events or going over to these events where the established names are already there. Yeah. And your kid's going to have to do something spectacular. Just yeah. to even to be even looked at. Yeah. So it, it, it's kind of building like a bridge between stuff we do here and with the bigger platforms outside of the area and keeping that kind of connection going and that networking going in order to really get kids outside in this area, outside of the area to get them some name recognition. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Paul, you, you, you just mentioned basically word of mouth and just kind of how you're kind of spreading your information. So I'm just curious, would you get that? Would you give that same advice to travel ball coaches? I know you talked about, you know, telling the parents what needs to be done. Like what, what advice do you think the travel ball coaches, is it the same kind of thing? Just kind of spreading the word about their players. Uh, what can they do to get their kids to school? 
Yeah, I think there's um, you know there's a variety of avenues now, and uh, I've seen some some things on social media. They're you know jokes slash not jokes, but I mean if you don't have some sort of media content helping promote your players at this point, I'm not saying you have to go out Compton Magic style and have a whole production crew because not most people. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but if you can, you can. I mean that's what separates the elites from everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. But at this point, like players plays a good example right, from San Diego area that Sterling Jones is running right now. He's got some really quality sophomores in his program. Ryan Eno, 6'8 kid, uh, Carmichael, the kid from Oregon, who's just kind of really bursting on the scene. But they've got media people following him, right? So some, some, some of the local clubs that I've helped try to help out the last few years, try to help them with scheduling, I think that's huge, right? Mm-hmm. The schedule that they put in front of their players as a way to present, hey, this is what we're going to be doing. And as an independent program, you got wiggle room. You don't have to be tied to doing all West Coast Elite events or doing all Pangos events or doing all Hoop Circuit events. You have the ability to kind of come around a little bit. Um, so I think that's huge, kind of like working with them to help them build schedules. Mm-hmm. Also, again, you know, try to, to help them understand. And so Fresno Wildcats is a, is a program that's doing a really good job right now of what you're talking about, mm-hmm. right, is um, the, the first couple of live period events in April they did West Coast Elites the first live period, and they had um, AC from Beach City Hoops record, you know, four or five of their top guys and put out mixes about those four or five top guys. So yeah. now they're trending from the event, but they're not coming from Fresno Wildcats media account. They're coming from West Coast Elites media and then City Hoops on the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's a bigger level platforms promoting players from a small market, right? I think that's sure. a and Potts, Mike Potts is the one who runs that program. He reached out before the event and, and probably had to come out of pocket a little bit on that. You know what I mean? And yeah. probably financially a little bit of a setback in the short term. But then you see what it's doing for the players he's able to get in his program this year for his 16s and, and 15s. He's building for the future. You know, I think little things like that. Um, and then also making sure that, you know, something as simple as when you're doing events during the live period, and they're asking for rosters, make sure the numbers match. You know what I mean? You get to an event, and I'm lucky because there's a team from the central section that, man, their their numbers were all over the place from the first live period. I'm fortunate because I know most of the kids. Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting with, you know, a few other scouts, and they're like, who's this, who's that? The numbers don't match. And, you know, luckily I'm there to feed that information. To help them, right. Yeah. If I'm not, now you're looking at, okay, maybe one or two kids get some actual looks from that team. So I think the little stuff like that that doesn't seem like it matters necessarily, those little things we all know matter a ton. You know what I mean? Because if I'm going to search for a kid who, you know, you had mentioned those under-the-radar guys, man, we all want to find them. You know what I mean? I'm fortunate to be in a market full of them. But at the same time, we get to a bigger event. If their stuff is not documented accurately, Mm -hmm. what college coach is going to take time out of their busy schedule to go find and chase a player down. Hey, what's the right information? You know what I mean? So that may be a blown opportunity right there. And you're already in a market that doesn't, that that provides less opportunities. We can't afford to trick off any opportunity, let alone something as simple as making sure the numbers match. Yeah. Paul, this is funny. You said that I want to put any of you guys on the spot. Why do you think a college coach at any level is just too cool or too big to go to the scores table and check the notes. Like, I mean, that, they're just not going to do it. They're going to ask you, Ani. They're going to ask somebody else, or they're just going to forget about it. They're going to be like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to go 
watch another game like they're not going to do it. Why? I don't know why that is, though. They just... I, I think some some of them think that like when the numbers are all wrong or if they don't have the rosters in the book that it may they they may it's sometimes they feel like it's speaking of the character of like the coach or maybe they have to deal with the coach or those players and yeah. that's not the type of player or person that they want to deal with as far as in the recruiting process. So yeah. I mean that that's that's one reason. Another part, slight laziness. Lazy, absolutely. Yeah, it's like yeah. slight lazy. Yeah. But uh, but I, I do I do know like hearing from some coaches like he didn't have Ross in the book he don't care then why should I care yeah yeah but I but I but but it's laziness too <laughs> yeah no it's 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 a little bit of both but Paul one more question and we'll let you go um what two or three guys you think from the valley are being overlooked I know you talk about there's not a lot of D one right now where we're looking down to two twenty four two twenty five especially more but give us two or three names that you think. Or, you know, college should watch a little bit more and we'll, we'll try to get their names out there. Yeah, the guy that I really feel is is a true D1 guy is is Jamar Howard, J.J. Howard, I think from, from Mission Prep High School. Yeah. Um, he was in NorCal, I think his freshman year, put up great numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, this last season at Mission Prep, I mean, he averaged in the mid-20s, multiple games over 30. He's playing with West Coast Elite's NorCal 17U uh, Under Armour team right now. He's been putting up great numbers there. It's obviously a lot of talent on that team as well. J.J. Howard, I mean, that kid is an athletic freak of nature. Phenomenal football player, great track and field guy right now as well. But as far as just the kid has a knack for scoring and does things on the – just the motor is insane at 6'6", perimeter guy. Um, another kid is uh, goes to Stockdale High School here in Bakersfield is Jace Boston, uh, 2023, combo guard, 6'3". Um, had a really good weekend this last weekend at the uh, West Coast Elite event in, um, in Garden Grove. The kid can just do a little bit of everything. He was forced to play the point guard role this last year uh, because their starting point guard was out for a majority of the season, and he just really kind of flourished in his role but just has a lot of great skill attributes as a combo guard that could be a lead guard. And then I think another guy, too, 2024, um, I think you've seen him before, Ronnie, is Rippin' Gill. Uh, yeah, goes Rippin to Gill. High School about 4, 6, 5. Um, He's uh, he played in some of the really good camps in middle school. He did like the CP3 camp in Pasadena that year. That was really good. Um, the kids just got a great all around game. I think those three are the are, are the main three. And then Jaden Hare is also another guy in a small market, six six plus, real physical wing forward kind of kid. Goes to Hanford West. You know what I mean? They're just a stuck small. in the market. He is playing with Rock for ICANN. Um, he's had a pretty decent AU season, but he hasn't been like their main guy. But he's another one that just – I don't know if he's D1, but I think he would be an instant impact D2 guy pretty much anywhere he goes. And then lastly is the kid, 2024 kid from Sierra, uh, Logan Kilbert. Put up great numbers this year. I've seen him twice now through the club season. It's mm-hmm. 6'2"-ish, you know, plus can do anything you need him to do with the ball in his hand. Good facilitator, shoots three ball well. So those five are, are probably the ones, but I say JJ Howard's probably the kid. I think I would be really surprised if he doesn't leave the summer with multiple division one offers. I really would just based on what he's able to do and still has room to improve. I mean, that's the, sure. the thing with him is you're going to get 30 points a game right now, and you're going to get all kinds of steals, defensive turnovers, block shots, great dunks, all the, all the athletic stuff. And yet he still hasn't even fully blossomed as a true perimeter player, ball handler, you know, he, he's got so much room to grow there. I think that guy is a guy at 6'6", with his ability to do what he can do, I think is is looking to probably be maybe the top prospect in the 23 class. Wow. Right. 
We'll appreciate it, Paul. We appreciate your input. Uh, let people know where they can catch you uh, on social media and online, and we'll let you go. Okay, so Instagram, uh, pretty straightforward, 661 underscore hoops underscore live. And then on Twitter, which is a lot of the content, just basketball stuff, individual player posts would be at P double underscore 33 um, on Twitter. And then if you just look up 661 hoops, it eventually will pop up, and you could just click that too on, on Twitter, one of the two. Appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for your input. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. Run up me in touch. Bye. You know, Paul's very uh, fired up about like talking about kids from his area. It's it's really good because I, you know, a few people have asked me, you know, there's this big, basically the grapevine in California, which is from Bakersfield on up through the Bay Area. There's just, just this big hole, you know, like there's not a lot of coverage there. There, there's good play. There's really good players, but you got to go find them, or they usually have to go down in an event. Somebody's got to recommend them for mm-hmm. an event. So, the problem is that when you have an event, when you have an events like that, or when you have a guy who wants to cover, and I've I've run across many for many years. They're like, oh, I want to cover events. I want to help Cal High. I want to go to this event. And what they want to do is like cover Stanley Johnson. <laughs> and, right. And, and <laughs> about, like we don't need another guy talking about the top twenty-five guys. Mm-hmm. You know, like. A, right. a top 100 player in the country. We need somebody to cover the the guys who are not getting looked at as much. So mm-hmm. Paul does a great job. He understands his his role in that and, and keeps putting names out there. So, yeah, Jamar Howard is really good. He goes to San Luis Obispo. That's just a really beautiful kind of quiet area of California. There's obviously Cal Poly slow there, which people know. And it's, you know, there's these destination spots like Half Moon Bay and Pismo Beach. And, like, people want to visit them. But there's good players here and there. Mm. You just got to find them. I think the kid he mentioned, Tunde Youssef, he goes to St. Joseph, Santa Maria. He's uh, really a, a top kind of like 100 type of guy. And and he made my uh, all, uh, all-American all underclass team. So let's let's transition to that as we close out. Ani, uh, I, I released the all-American underclass team over uh the weekend to get it out of the way uh as you know some of the big names dj wagner was the junior of the year ian jackson from cardinal hayes the whiz kids new york whiz kids the sophomore of the year cameron boozer who plays at christopher columbus high school in miami i got to see them in the fall and a little bit uh he's the freshman of the year obviously he's carlos's boozer's son and he has another brother they're both 225 so on that team ani did any name surprise you anybody you're interested in seeing or or what was your take when of those top guys that are underclassmen yeah i thought i thought it was, it was fairly accurate uh, uh when i saw cameron boozer in 2025 i i got see a game i was just like yeah he's <laughs> you know I, I i was with you i i agree from uh for the most part uh obviously you had trey johnson in there you had parker jefferson who yeah. uh who uh you know had a fantastic season at waxahatchee i seen him go against other high major just guys and uh sure. more than hold his own during the school season um but yeah i, I kind of i just agreed with for the most part dj wagner being junior of the year especially how yeah. he kind of finished that second half of the season uh yeah I, I thought no no surprises really i think uh i think the spring and summer are kind of you know you're seeing some guys kind of come out a little bit uh yeah. that i think like for the following year i think can kind of shake up some things some but I thought for the most part, especially when you talk about just the school season, that was as Correct. accurate as you're going to get. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why I want people to know, if you go to check it out on ballsite.com, that is a production-based team. So right. you can't just be high on a recruiting list. You had to make a an all-state team, an all-region team, maybe be your uh, player of the year in your league. 
Uh, I really did go back and try to do the research, try to get every All-State team I can. Dallas Morning News, you know, mm -hmm. All-Region, LA mm -hmm. Times, San Francisco Chronicle, just to get more information. It's very interesting. You mentioned Parker Jefferson, Ani. Uh, he wasn't really the top uh, guy or wasn't looked at as the top one of the top prospects going into that fresh soft camp in, in right. Dallas last year. And everybody's like, well, there's another guy on his travel team that's Marley a little better. But, like, us just seeing him for the first time, we're like, guys, he's 6'9 or so, skilled. He did really good. And everybody was like, well, there's a couple guys that are better. Like, and then he did good in the camp. Like, he did really good in the top 20 game. And then he had a great uh, season. He was a Dallas Morning News newcomer of the year. Was that a little surprising? Or was it? did people realize as the season's going on, like, this dude's pretty good? Yeah, I think I think when the season went on, you saw people got to see it. It was funny, like during the summer, uh, prior to him going to that camp, he was looking really good at some of these summer and fall league showings. And then when he went to the camp, I mean, I had him rated as uh, him and Jeremiah Green uh, as my top, you know, uh, uh, freshman, like you know, in in in, in Texas. And I thought when he went to the camp, he just kind of showed his versatility, especially at six nine, mm -hmm. to be able to shoot it. And then during the season, like I said, I saw you know Case and Wallace and yeah. other guys like you know they're not as big as him, but I saw other guys try to take the challenge of guarding him, sure. uh, especially Wax Hatchie that had a down year, uh, losing the guys like C.J. Nolan to Oklahoma and Jalen Lake went to Colorado State. Uh, I thought Parker Jefferson kind of you know really took a big role as a freshman and had to be guarded by the team's best interior defender, <laughs> whoever that was, you know. And uh, I thought he more, like most kids would have backed down, and he was he didn't back down. I saw upperclassmen that wouldn't have no parts of some of the people that guarded him, and mm -hmm. uh, he 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 held his own. He has a lot of toughness about him. I think that's one of the underrated part about him is they look at him because he's a skilled guy, like more of maybe you look at him like a stretch guy. You don't think he really has a lot of bite in him, and I think that's yeah. completely mm -hmm. uh, wrong. I think he has a lot of fight in him. Yeah. Um Wanted to ask you this because guys are obviously moving on and, and they're going to be some changes. We talked about guys maybe trying to stay home and, and Paul talked about some of the, if there's a high level player, you know, he, he would like to see them stay home, but they're, they're, they're most likely going to move on to an academy type school. So right. we got uh, Cooper Flagg, who is from Maine, mm. Newport, Maine, the Comus Regional in Newport, Maine. And, and he's like the best player ever out of Maine ever. And mm. now he's going to Montverde. You know, he's in, in, in his situation, you know, he has to probably leave. Like, he's already the best player in the state as a freshman. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's going to be a tough, tough situation for him. Uh, there's some other couple guys uh, already moving that I've already announced. Mark yeah, Allen sure. is going to from Calvary to Montverde. Did you, did you notice any others yet, Ani? Yeah, in, in Texas, we have four. Three were top 100 guys. They didn't hide from Smithson Valley is going to AZ Compass. Chris yeah. Johnson, who is at Fort Ben Elkins. Uh, who's going to Monverde? Uh, yeah. Gabe Warren, who is a um, he has some high major looks. He's going to uh, I think Link here. No, he's going Southern Cal Academy with Julius. Uh huh. And there's another kid that is leaving in Texas. We have four kids that uh, uh oh yeah, Jacoby Walter, who's a top 50 player in the country. He's going to uh, Link here uh, next year. Well. So, you know, uh, Texas is a hotbed, not just for college coaches, but mm -hmm. for prep schools too. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what is? I, I saw some of the the chatter on on Twitter in the last week about that. Uh, Jacoby's obviously obviously was at McKinney. You know, what are the coaches taking? Is it like, hey, 
good for them. But I, I know they got to feel some kind of way. But what 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 are what what are yeah, you? Yeah, they feel some type of way. But I heard. I mean, yeah. I know Linkier, and in all honesty, like these guys don't just sweep up in the live period. They've been recruiting these guys while they were playing. <laughs> you know, like yeah, they like sure. Jacoby Walters has been recruited by prep schools. Yeah. Like all majority of the season. <laughs> you, you know, and, and and as much as like, you know, it was crazy like seeing McKinney make this run in the yeah. back of mind, like guys, I couldn't really say anything at the time, you know, because you know, yeah. I don't know if it's yeah. true or not. Like, I'm like, man, this kid's probably not gonna be back next year. You know, like you people think McKinney next year, McKinney next year, and I'm like, he's probably not coming back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just it's just one of those things. I mean, when you talk, when you're a when you're a public school here, other than Duncanville, yeah, you you know when they when they come in and they you know they, they want they they're talking about developing and playing here and playing there, and sure. you know you're at McKinney High School. I mean. Or is it just very, I mean, it's just hard. Like they, I mean, they're they're sniping kids from all these schools. I mean, at that event alone, I mean, I won't even, I will never share the text messages because half of them, most of them, I don't even respond. To. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, but like, yo, just kids that they're like, what about this kid? Who's his circle? Blah blah blah. blah. And yeah, I mean, so questions, yeah. Yeah, it just it's a beast. Like so I just don't respond. I'm like, oh, I didn't see it. <laughs> you know, I didn't see your text. Like, because one thing about it, I don't want to be the one that's like, hey, you're the reason that that like kid you're helping. Right, 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 right. And those prep some prep school, those are my guys, like I've known them for a minute, but like correct, you know, I, I ain't gonna I can't get into the middle of that. <laughs> yeah, correct. you know, for sure. So it's, it's just lot. Yeah, but it's it's a lot of movement in Texas. I mean, we have four right now, and I wouldn't be surprised. Actually, five because Jacob Cole is also leaving to uh, link your prep too. So we have five, and we ain't gotten to June yet. Yeah, we're not even in June yet. So yeah, you go check that out at, at ballerslife.com. Obviously, the Boozer twins, you know, they're in a, a special situation. That, you know, if your dad is playing the NBA, you don't have you don't have to go anywhere. You know, you can right. play. So, but they're they're really good. Uh, both of them are really Cameron and, and Caden are very good. And obviously uh, it was, you know, uh, Cameron, who was the, the the national freshman of the year. And, and that group of players is really good. Jerry Easter, people have known about for a long time. He mentioned Giovanni Ruff, uh, Paul. He's from Long Beach Poly. He, he's well known. Tunde. Tunde's a monster. You'll see him on eventually soon. He, he's a really good 225 strong. As long as he just develops a little bit of perimeter game, he's going to be really good. He's okay. just or, 200 pounds you know just moves very well mm -hmm. so um as we as we wrap up here on it we got to talk about one more kid because i wanted to uh, mention him and he's going to overtime and that's nazir cunningham who some people think right. is the top 224 in the country i don't think he had the best season in the country i do think ian and we i, I want to get Ian on the pot hopefully Ian comes on the pot in the next couple of weeks but um you know he's going to overtime and obviously overtime has been mentioned as a place where it's an alternative Right. to the traditional college basketball to try to make pros and and then the kids were going to get paid as a salary right and you know that we that's been said a long time and overtime finally launched and then we get that nazir cunningham is um not going to get paid so he's not taking a salary or to preserve his amateur status uh obviously they're going to try to sign him to nil deals Right. Uh, what's your take when you hear that? And like, you're going to overtime now, but now you're not getting paid. So then, what is overtime, or what is what is their trajectory now? 
Yeah, I mean, it's just you're just playing. You're like in a it's like a tricky situation because I know they're talking about overtime. Maybe like some of those teams can play in summer ball events like AU tournaments too. Uh, you you sometimes wonder when you hear those things. Are you trying to be alternative pro league or like, is that really what you're trying to do? Or is that something you thought that's what you want to do? And you're realizing maybe that's not completely what you want to do for, for one, I think overtime, like next year, you know, you got the Thompson twins, you got some guys like John Montero. He's also, he's, he's going to probably get drafted this year. You got some kids that are going to get drafted, but the reality is you got 30 kids, right? And only four are getting drafted. Mm. Like <laughs> your percentages so are low. What are you paying the other guys for? Yeah, and now what? you're not paying Nazir Cunningham, and yeah, it, it, it's it, it. Maybe they're changing on the fly. Obviously, NIL's changed it, but my thing, and it just be completely honest, if you're if he's going there, there he's obviously going to get some NIL deals. And he's not going to go there. Mm. But right. if you don't get him the deals, if he doesn't get the deals that he wants, then you're just going to give it to him and, and say. That it was an NIL deal, right? Basically, pay him anyway. That's real. Yeah, you you that it's that it's under the 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 assumption that it's an NIL deal. So I, I it's a little convoluted to me. I don't know where they're going in the long run. That maybe they could just continue to get good players. But if you're not paying them, you're not a pro league, right? If you're not getting paid. You know, and then it gets to the point where are we going to see, in your opinion, and Chelsea, you could jump into, is it just going to be guys are going to go to academies too? And if you don't have an NIL deal for them, like in college, they're not going to go, or they're going to go mm-hmm. to one where they have a quote unquote NIL deal. Is that where we're headed with this, or not? Maybe not. Yes. You think so? I, I mean, I think so. Everything trends and everything, you know, follows suit from what they see somebody else doing. Sure. Like, even look at something as simple as, just commitments. You have kids that make posts for commitments to a prep school or to a high school. Right. Like, and they're, you know, we so used to only team. do that for college. Yeah, it's summer ball team, club team. Sure. So everything is heading in that direction. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't understand the direction of OTE. I mean, I've followed it a little bit. Um, I've seen sure. some kids in there. I've looked at the production in the court, which is a very high <laughs> level. Like, that sure. is very, like, top of the line. So I give them that. But I don't know. It's kind of like glorified AU to me. I don't really get it. Like they pay, you know, the guys are good because you have some high ranked players. But it's like, no, I don't get it. But I see the need for alternatives because that's kind of the direction that we're going. So why not? And then and, and I was I'm not trying to dish the overtime this this the overtime league, but like I watched the playoffs. And the comment, I, I listened to the comment. I had to put the commentating on. I, I had to lower the volume. I could not you listen to the commentating yeah. and, and watch the game. And I'm just like, if we're trying to be sell, sell, you know, you know, try to sell these kids as NBA players, like, I mean, gotcha. There, I didn't think there was a lot of professionalism with it. I mean, I, as a kid, I mean, you want to get viewership, it sounds cool, sure. but I, I couldn't watch that. Like, I couldn't listen gotcha. to that. I had to. I had muted the whole I, – I turned out my, my volume completely down. I couldn't watch the game with the commentator. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and I think the reality, too, is a lot of those kids just aren't NBA players. Sorry. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, yeah. people don't realize how difficult and how good you have to be to get in that league. I mean, right. all those kids could probably play professionally somewhere. I mean, there's a lot of money to be made in basketball. But like Ani said, like, okay, you have 30 kids and four of them are getting drafted. Like – 
sweet. You know, yeah. there's college programs who can get four kids <laughs> drafted. And, it, you know, I'm serious. In the season, look, right. Kentucky, I mean, there's certain schools that are going to get two or three, four guys in the draft, too. So it, it's the same thing. And at least I can go and get the college environment and I'm still going to get paid, too, at this point. You know, so right. it's like they have to figure out how to. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know the answer. Like, I'm on the outside looking in. I've watched. I've seen it. Um, they do have some stuff that's, you know, I think that just the facilities and the court and stuff kind of make it a little bit cool. It's a different feel, you know, for certain kids. But other than that, they need to figure out, you know, what they're going to be and how they're going to do it. And maybe not so much market it for, hey, we're going to get you guys to the NBA because that's not realistic to think right. that you're going to bring in 30 kids and 30 of them are going to go to the league. No, it's not There's only 30. Yeah, like First it's just not. Boxing. Hey, yeah. maybe it's like, hey, we're going to help you become a pro. And maybe right. that pro, you know, you, maybe your professional career starts somewhere in Europe. Maybe, you know, I don't I don't know, but I just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea's like, I don't know. Well, yeah, because the, the Nazir Cunningham thing's a little different because he's not getting paid. But he's right. one of the highest ranked players that they have in the system. So. You know, obviously NILs changed that. So we'll see. Yeah, but he happens. doesn't have to get paid, though. You know, he has the ability to go there and, like you said, he's going to get money regardless in different ways. But that's sure. not going to be the case for these other kids. Correct. I you mean, know? how many NIL deals are they going to real, realistically? Yeah, so they need to not so much use him because he's an outlier. Like, he's not the normal kid. Like, he's going to get this money one way or regardless. Right. You know, from somebody else under the table to the side, NIL. <laughs> but he's he's getting his money, honey. It doesn't matter. So that's why he doesn't care. <laughs> and that's why they're trying to, you know, put that out there. But that boy is getting some money. Come on. Let's be realistic. Correct. Yeah. And, and especially the NILs change the expectations of the whole industry and what the top players can get and what they're worth. So that makes – a lot of sense. So as we close up, we appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of the Impact Show 130. We've done 30 on YouTube, so thanks for the people who watched on YouTube. We've done 100 of them, just audio, as we keep chugging, chugging along. So, you know, we have some great points. Go back to listen to some of the older ones that are timeless, some ones that we kind of wrap into what we're talking about today. We, we touched on a lot of topics. We could keep going, but we got to wrap this up. We got to get out of here, but we can keep talking about all this. We'll hopefully have Ian Jackson on, a couple of these other good young players on. We're going to talk about the NBA draft. Chelsea, you mentioned there's only 30 spots, so we're going to kind of break that down as we get closer to the NBA draft day. We're going to continue to talk about the playoffs. So for Ronnie, me, Chelsea, Ani, we appreciate you guys tuning in to this episode, and thank you, and we're going to get out of here right now. Bye, guys. <laughs>